This episode contains descriptions of suicide. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. If you or someone you love is struggling with suicidal thoughts or the impulse to self-harm, please seek help. The United States National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. The following is from Afterward by Edith Wharton. Weary with her thoughts, she moved toward the window. The library was now completely dark, and she was surprised to see how much faint light the outer world still held. As she peered out into it across the court, a figure shaped itself in the tapering perspective of bare lines. It looked a mere blot of deeper gray in the grayness, And, for an instant, as it moved toward her, her heart thumped to the thought, it's the ghost. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back. I'm Alastair Murden, and this is Haunted Places Ghost Stories, a Spotify original from Parcast. In this series, we reimagine ghostly tales from some of history's greatest authors. The following version is our own unique take. It may feel familiar in some ways and different in others. We hope you enjoy it. You can find episodes of Ghost Stories and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. After regaling you week after week from our collection of spectral tales, today we will close the book and our strange little show will be taking a hiatus. But before we put ghost stories back on the dusty cobweb shelf it came from, we have one more episode to chill you to the bone. So come, Take a seat by the fire and listen. For our final chapter, we've been exploring haunted places from two of Gothic horror's most crucial women writers, Edith Wharton and Edith Nesbitt. And today, we conclude with a story from Miss Wharton, fittingly titled, Afterward. Wharton was an American socialite who traveled extensively, but in spite of her overflowing social calendar, she was able to carve out a small, quiet corner of the world to write in. Wharton wrote afterward while living at The Mount, her country estate, in rural Massachusetts. In recent years, the home has developed a reputation for being haunted but it seemed quite tumultuous during Wharton's lifetime as well. She resided there with her husband, Edward, in the years leading up to their divorce. In this way, afterward feels like a personal story. It follows an American couple named Ned and Mary Boyne who relocate to the English countryside. Ned and Mary anticipate peaceful days away from the city, but soon, They find their new life is far from blissful. Because it is there, in a house called Ling, that the Boyne's marriage is tested by a ghost 
from the past. Coming up, a couple's fresh start quickly sours. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mary squeezed her husband Ned's hand as they stood in the drafty living room. Cobwebs hung from the ceiling, dust swirled around her feet, and the constant, hazy October drizzle made the home feel dark and dingy. She loved every square inch of it. Their new home, Ling, wasn't large or especially well-made, but it was old as sin, and that was just what they'd wanted. Mary flung open a window and squinted at the rolling, grassy hills of Dorsetshire. She couldn't see too clearly, being quite nearsighted, but the view was thrilling nonetheless. Oh, oh, Ned, isn't it gorgeous? Ned coughed from clouds of dust. (coughs) No electricity, no running water. The village is at least 15 minutes away. We've found paradise. Mary ignored him, running from room to room. Our reading chairs can go here, oh, and we can have tea here. Unless the ghost has other ideas. <laughs> he was here first, after all. We should do our best to fit into his schedule. Mary knew it was odd, but she and Ned were fascinated by ghosts, and England was supposed to be filled with them. So when Ned got an unexpected payout from his mining company, Blue Star, They left the dull American Midwest to live their dream, buying a haunted house in the English countryside. Ned looked at the swirling dust, skeptical. Is there a ghost? We've been here for an hour. I've hardly heard more than a creak. Mary nodded. Oh, Dorsetshire is brimming with ghosts. Ned laughed. I don't want to have to drive 10 miles to see somebody else's ghost. I want one here, in the house I just paid for. Mary was giddy with excitement. She'd always wanted to be one of those couples that shared a little secret. The ghost could be theirs. The villagers said there's one here, but they also said we wouldn't know we'd seen it till long afterward. Ned looked at his watch, feigning impatience. So, if we do see a ghost, we'll have to wait until we're even aware that we saw it? Life's too short for a ghost who can only be enjoyed in retrospect. Mary shrugged and turned back to the window with a contented sigh. Maybe Ned was right, but she refused to let her spirits dim. They had a hard go of it back in America. Ned was always moving, always keeping busy. 
He worked so hard that they never spent any time together. They'd been married more than 10 years, but they still didn't actually know how to talk to one another. Now that it was just the two of them in this thrilling country cottage, she was certain things would change. Their belongings weren't arriving till tomorrow, so Mary spent the day planning where to put things. When evening came around, the house quickly grew dark. She dredged up an old lamp from a closet, but it just clicked uselessly. They would need to get a maintenance man there immediately to turn the electricity on. In the meantime, Mary scoured the living room for matches. She heard a loud creak and whipped around, startled. But all she saw were vague, dancing shadows from the trees outside. It was just the house, settling in the wind. She sighed, running her hand across the panelling. She wished Ned had lingered in the room with her, but he was always hard to pin down. Mary's fingers bumped on an uneven part of the wall. She stopped. One of the panels was poking out a bit. A door. She reached her nails into the crack and pried it open. Hidden behind the wall was a staircase. Mary grinned. Ghost or no ghost, this house was still full of surprises. England was everything they'd hoped for. She yelled to Ned, who came running. The secret staircase led to a widow's walk that overlooked the moors. In the distance, she could see the crashing ocean just below the darkening sky. Mary clapped her hands. They had a lookout, and what a lookout it was. She couldn't see too sharply. The greys and greens blended together over the downs surrounding their home. But this did not matter to her. It was magical. She laid her head on Ned's shoulder and sighed blissfully. This was the life she'd always dreamed of. They might even feel creative here. Mary could take up painting and Ned could finally put mining behind him and write his book. All they had to do was come to the roof and take in the world. The wind picked up, making her shiver. Though she didn't want the moment to end, it was getting cold. They turned to go when Mary stopped. There was something at the edge of the yard, a dark blur in the shape of a man. She squinted. At this distance, she couldn't see his face, but she could tell his clothes didn't look local to Dorsetshire, more American than English. Before she could call to him, he moved. He reached out, fingers stretched as if trying to grasp something. Mary tensed. She didn't know what he was doing, but it made her stomach twist with dread. She grabbed Ned and pointed. As soon as Ned saw the man, he turned and bolted down the staircase, vanishing from her view in an instant. Mary ran after her husband, certain something horrific was going to happen. When she got downstairs, Ned stood at the window with his back to her. Mary gently touched his shoulder. Are you all right? Who was that? Ned turned to her with a smile. Peters, the maintenance man from the village. I wanted to see about the lighting, but I just missed him. Mary frowned. But he was just in our yard. 
he couldn't have gone far. Ned shrugged and said he must have been in a hurry. It didn't seem quite right, but Mary nodded. She wasn't going to ruin their first night at Ling by pummeling him with questions. Ned would tell her if something was wrong. At least, she thought he would. She tried not to think about what she saw in his expression, about how his smile was strained like a man caught in a lie. The incident eventually faded from Mary's mind. Over the next two months, they settled into their new life at Ling. Ned began writing his book while Mary busied herself with painting and bringing the place to life. She loved the house completely. It had such personality. When it rained, its ceiling dripped like tears. When it was windy, it liked to lean as if bracing itself. Ned didn't seem to enjoy it as much. He left daily for long walks, always alone, adamantly alone. He explained it was to clear his head, but he always returned in a foul mood. And when the mail came, he was even more sullen. He'd shut himself in the study and not come out for hours. She could hear him in there, shifting through the newspaper, spending a great deal of time on each page. Almost as if he was looking for something in those pages. Mary was in her garden one evening, doing a last prune before the December snow. She stopped to look out at the vast, blurry moors, pulling a shawl tight against the winter chill. The isolation had been delightful at first, but that was when she'd imagined her and Ned cozying up and getting to know one another inside their new home. Perhaps bonding over how to draw out its ghost. A pang of longing coursed through her. None of that had happened. Ned had kept her at arm's length, snapping at her when she tried to get him to open up. An unbidden thought came to her lips. I don't know who you are. When Mary went back inside, Ned wasn't in the living room, nor was he in his study. She flipped a lamp switch, but it wouldn't go on. She swore. The lamps in this house never seemed to work. A loud crack made her turn. Outside, a tree branch knocked against the window over and over, and beyond that, a dark shape loomed at the end of their walkway. It was a man. Her earlier thoughts of isolation came back to her. There was a stranger outside, and she was alone here. Very alone. Mary inched closer to the window, her body tense. She fixed her gaze on the dark figure, willing her frail eyes to make out any detail. It was so blurry, so ominous, so... Ned. Mary let out a rattled laugh. It was just Ned coming back from his walk. He had a stack of letters in his hand. He must have just been to fetch the mail. Mary rushed into the living room to meet him just as he closed the front door. But when he faced her, she realized he wasn't alone. In the shadows behind him, a pair of hands reached toward his throat. Coming up, Mary uncovers dark secrets in the shadows of Ling. Hi, I'm Christine Schieffer. 
And I'm M. Schultz. We're the hosts of Rituals, the new Spotify original from Parcast. If you've heard our podcast and that's what we drink, you know we are no strangers to true crime and the paranormal. We're also into the occult uh, to chat about, not to join, but, you know, to, to learn and educate. <laughs> Every Monday on Rituals, we're journeying through mystifying stories of sorcery, alchemy, Satanism, and more, and trying to determine if the dark arts of the past impact us today. Like weather witches? Who were they? Or the Fountain of Youth? Address, please. <laughs> Don't forget about werewolf trials, Em. Objection, Christine. Let's not give too much away. And instead, let's tell everyone to follow our new podcast, Rituals, free and only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. Mary's eyes widened in panic as she watched the shadowy fingers reaching out for her husband's throat. She stumbled back and screamed at Ned to look out, but when she blinked, they were gone. Ned stared at her aghast. What's gotten into you? Mary just shook her head, her heart in her throat. Ned was looking at her like she was deluded. She wanted to say it was nothing, but she couldn't stop trembling. Finally, she managed to stammer. I just thought I saw something. You know how bad my eyes get in the dark. Or maybe it's wishful thinking that the ghost of Ling has finally said hello. Ned was quiet for a moment before muttering. Interesting, dear. His indifference stung. The ghost was their common ground, and now Ned didn't care? Mary couldn't hold back. That's it? Why would... Ned, have you seen the ghost already? Is that why you've been acting strange? Ned looked out the window, his profile solemn against the evening light. I don't know. Do you know how long it takes to know you'd seen a ghost? Mary moved to another lamp, desperate to warm up the room, but it clicked futilely, broken. The villagers did not give me an exact time frame. Ned didn't answer. He just stared at her, his eyes haunted. Mary opened her mouth to speak, but the words didn't come. What she wanted to say sounded almost cruel. She wanted to say that his silence was scaring her. Ned said he'd be in his study. Mary watched him go, hoping the perfect reproach would come to her. But he was gone. And still, she said nothing. She noticed he left his letters on the reading chair. That was unlike him. He always took the mail with him into the study first. Bewildered, she shuffled through them. There was one address to her, from a lawyer, Mr. Parvis. 
She opened it to find an article from the Waukesha Sentinel, their hometown paper. The headline, Feud at the Blue Star Mine. That was Ned's company. An aching dread crept over her as she scanned the page. It detailed a lawsuit between a man named Elwell and Ned. Elwell was suing Ned for some reason, or at least that's what she could glean. The legal details were hard to decipher. She called after her husband. Ned, what is this about? Ned appeared from his study and snatched up the letter. He stood very still as he read. Finally, he looked up at Mary with a stretched smile. It's nothing. I helped this man Elwell in the past, and he, well, he thinks he's entitled to Blue Star's interests. Mary frowned. But why is he trying to sue you? If you helped him, I mean. Ned tossed the letter onto a reading chair. A greedy lawyer got into Elwell's head and is clearly trying to get into yours by sending this to you. It's really nothing to worry about. The suit's already been dropped. The words should have relieved her, but Mary was rattled. She told herself to stop being so fragile and talk to her husband. Ned, if something is going on, I would like to know. Ned looked angry for a moment, but then softened. He wrapped her in his arms and whispered that everything would be all right. She allowed herself to relax. It was the kind of affection and closeness she'd been waiting for. Maybe it was true. Everything would be all right. Mary was ripped from sleep that night by a piercing scream. The bed shook so violently she thought it was an earthquake. But when she sat up, she saw Ned writhing beside her, his eyes shut tight, his mouth stretched into a grotesque howl. He shouted, He's coming! He's coming for me! Mary shook Ned frantically, trying to wake him. Tears welled in her eyes as she yelled his name. Finally, he stopped writhing and blinked awake. Mary sank into her pillows, trembling. You had a nightmare, Ned. A bad one. He nodded feebly. Mary could feel the pulsing of his heart through the blankets. Then he murmured an apology and turned over. Mary lay back down but wasn't able to sleep. She stared into the darkness, her vision picking up only the blur of dim colors. She then turned to stare at Ned's back, wondering who was coming and who the man in her bed really was. The next morning, Mary worked in the garden. She violently tore at patches of decaying weeds, her hands stinging from the winter chill, but she didn't care. The waking nightmare from last night was heavy on her mind. She decided that enough was enough. Today, after Ned was finished writing, she would sit him down and finally ask for the truth. The air had to be cleared if they were going to have any future here together. The gate to the front walk groaned. Mary turned to see a man appear at the edge of the path. Her heart jumped. This time, 
it wasn't Ned. It was a stranger. He was dressed in a rumpled business suit and a wide-brimmed hat. A pale, young face peered out from under its rim. Mary's nerves settled. She stood, wiping the dirt from her skirt. What can I do for you, sir? The man's voice was low and demanding. Is Edward Boyne home? I've got a business question for him. His American accent gave Mary pause. This man must have something to do with that article she read. In that case, she certainly wasn't going to let him bring business into the house, not when Ned was so sensitive. She shook her head. Mr. Boyne is working in his study and can't be disturbed. I'm sorry. You can try tomorrow. The man's eyes hardened into an icy stare. It chilled Mary far more than the bitter wind whipping around them. Finally, the man stiffly nodded and departed. Mary didn't exhale until he disappeared around the bend. Everything felt so muddled. It was suddenly impossible to think clearly. All she knew is that she needed to talk to Ned. Now! Mary knocked on Ned's door and pushed it open without waiting for an answer. It was empty. How curious. She was sure she'd heard him pacing. She checked the rest of the home, but he was nowhere to be found. Mary stood in the living room, utterly perplexed, until she noticed the secret door. It was open. That must be where Ned went, the roof. She hurried up the narrow, dusty stairs. But Ned wasn't on the roof either. She was about to head back down when something on the hazy moors caught her eye. She gave a start. There were two men walking into the woods at the edge of the property. At least, she thought it was two men. Their bodies were just grey smears in the landscape. If she strained, she could see a wide-brimmed hat on one of them. The visitor. The other figure had to be Ned. The visitor must have gone around the back of the house and met up with Ned, and now the two were off talking business. It seemed sensible. Then, why did she suddenly feel so terrified? Mary went back into the living room. She needed to talk to Ned and wouldn't feel herself again until she did. So, she waited. She sat in her reading chair until the sun went down. Though she remained still, her mind was busy. Ned had been withdrawing from her ever since they moved here. In fact, ever since he'd seen the stranger on the walkway that first day. And what's more, Ned seemed to be hiding something when she mentioned the Blue Star Mine article. He had a secret. She exhaled in frustration. None of it made sense. Who was the stranger? Where had he taken Ned? And what did all this have to do with that article? When the sun set, she reached for the lamp beside the reading chair. It still didn't work. She looked into the inky black of the room. The darker it became, the more Mary felt a presence in the murk, watching her. She shivered. It didn't matter anymore if the house was haunted. She just needed to speak. So, she whispered. 
Ling, I'm afraid. There are demons in my husband I don't recognize. Maybe they started here, or maybe they were there all along and I never knew, because I never asked. But nothing answered, not even a creak. Ned did not come back the next day, or the next. Mary notified the police and a search ensued, but no one was able to find her husband. Days later, Mary found a letter. It was on his desk, left unsent atop a stack of papers. She recognized the name it was addressed to, Mr. Parvis, the same man who'd sent her the article. The first line said, I have just heard of Elwell's death, and while I suppose there is now no farther risk of trouble, it might be safer. And that was it. It seemed Ned had stopped writing in the middle of it. Mary stared at the paper in her trembling hands. No risk of trouble must mean Elwell could no longer press charges against her husband, so Ned had been worried about the suit. He'd lied to her. She sent word to Mr. Parvis. She didn't know the man, but it was the only clue she had as to where Ned had gone and who the mysterious man was. A week passed, and just as she'd forgotten about the lawyer, he arrived. He was a portly man and in a hurry. He sat her down and got right into it. Mrs. Boyne, Ned didn't break the law, but that doesn't mean what he did was right. Ned tricked Elwell into signing away his portion of the company's sale. Now, Elwell tried to sue. He sure tried, but his lawyers weren't optimistic about his chances. So, Elwell took his own life. Mary froze. Mr. Parvis handed her a newspaper clipping. This explains most of it. I sent you that article before because, well... People are talking about what your husband did. Elwell had a wife, and she's been left with nothing. I just thought you should know. Mary took the clipping in her shaking hands and read it over. Her mouth went dry, and a sudden wave of nausea hit her. At the top of the article was a black-and-white photo of the same man who had appeared at her home the day Ned disappeared. The visitor. She pointed frantically at the photo. Who is this? I know this man. He was here when Ned went missing. Mr. Parvis went still. Why? That's Bob Elwell. He died over a week ago. All of a sudden, the lamp beside her flickered on, illuminating the dim room. Mary shook violently. So many thoughts were churning in her head, she felt paralyzed. Her mouth simply hung open in shock. Mr. Parvis went on. Elwell tried to take his own life in October, uh, October 20th, but he didn't die until two months afterward. A tragic suffering. Mary stared at the lamp. October 20th, the same day they had moved into Ling. 
the day she saw the man outside who had disappeared. And exactly two months later, that was the day Ned had vanished. Her eyes filled with tears. Elwell came to us, Mr. Parvis. He tried to come the day he tried to take his own life, but he must not have been... He wasn't dead enough. He had to wait two months. And then he returned for Ned. (gasps) And I told Elwell where my husband was. I... I sent him to Ned. Suddenly, in the lamplight, Mary saw the home around her, Ling, with utter clarity. Dusty and suffocating, the moors outside stretched around them with isolating vastness. It was true what the villagers said. She had seen a ghost and didn't realize until long afterward. But the ghost hadn't been Ling's. It was Ned's all along. Afterward is a tale of two hauntings. While Elwell's ghost is a literal one, there's also another, the slow, dreadful disintegration of Ned and Mary's marriage. And Wharton has certainly experienced the latter firsthand. Afterward was first published in 1910 as part of Wharton's collection, Tales of Men and Ghosts. At the time she penned the story, she was living with her husband, Teddy, at their residence, The Mount. It was a place the couple was once happy and a house that Edith loved. But their relationship soured. While we can't know for sure why, Edith's burgeoning writing career and the two's respective affairs, coupled with Teddy's struggle with mental illness, seemed to take a toll on the couple. When Edith retreated to France in 1911, Teddy sold the home. The couple divorced two years later. Marital strain is an obvious part of afterward. Ned creates distance between the couple by concealing secrets, and Mary furthers this divide by refusing to ask him about it. Her weak vision, the illuminating lamp, and the fogginess of the moors they live in are all elements that further cloak the truth. So though Ling may actually be haunted, it's the ghosts the couple brought with them the ones they can't see clearly, that lead to destruction. The single rule of Ling Spectre offers a lesson in hindsight. We don't recognize our own ghosts until it's too late, not till long, long afterward. On behalf of the writers, researchers, and production staff of Haunted Places Ghost Stories, I'd like to thank you all for listening. Over the last few years, it's been our privilege to share these classic chillers with you all. 
Our 74 eerie episodes are not going anywhere, but for now, this feed will rest in peace. If you've enjoyed this show, be sure to listen to our sister shows, Haunted Places and Superstitions, the latter of which is hosted by yours truly. You can find all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free exclusively on Spotify. See you on the other side. Haunted Places Ghost Stories is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Haunted Places Ghost Stories was written by Kate Murdoch, with writing assistance by Robert Teamstra and Alex Garland, fact-checking by Adriana Romero, and research by Mickey Taylor. I'm Alastair Murden. Werewolves, witches, and Arthur Conan Doyle? Oh my! Sounds like fascinating topics to discuss on our new show, Rituals, Christine. You know what, Em? It sure does. Every Monday on Rituals, join us as we explore the evolution of spiritualism and the occult through stories, practices, and the impact on modern culture. If you've heard our podcast and that's why we drink, this is the perfect pairing for you. And if you haven't, go give us a try. Follow our Spotify original from Parcast, Rituals. Listen free only on Spotify. Spotify.